as we look at the text this morning. Bringing God glory. Thank you, praise team and Todd, for leading us in worship this morning. John chapter 9 is our text this morning. We'll start with just um, identifying a word. Um, the word that I want to bring to you to start with is called uh, reformed. Reformed. Reformed can be most simply defined as formed again. Reformed, right? If you replay something, you play it again. Um, if you rewrite something, your teacher says, you need to go back and rewrite that. To be reformed, we're formed again. Not saying that everything is bad, but it could perhaps be done in a little better way. Reformed. October recognizes a movement in history called the Reformation. It's difficult to name an exact date when this process began within the work of the church because people like John Wycliffe and Han Hus began to suggest that there are things in the church that should change. They were doing this in the 15th century. But the date of October 31st, 1517 is sometimes put out there as the official start of the Reformation. You might have heard of a man, a German priest named Martin Luther, when he took 95 statements to the church door and he nailed them. Well, whether he did it on this date or did it at all remains uncertain to us. Most believe that he did do that, but it's a marker for the beginning of the Reformation. One of the areas that reformers encourage the church to understand and strive towards is what is communicated in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for what? For the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. So the phrase in Latin, solo deo gloria, suggests that the chief purpose of life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Our text this morning has a powerful story of Jesus demonstrating His work in bringing God glory and invites us to consider how that might be offered in our lives to bring God glory, glory as well. Listen to this story, John 9, 1 to 11. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. <clears throat> Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The disciples asked this question. <clears throat> Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in this world, I am the light of the world. It gets a little gross here now, so hang on. Having said this, Jesus spit on the ground. I wonder if it was just his natural saliva or if it was he just took a drink of water or something, a big mouthful, and then poof, it's kind of gross. I'm always told not to spit, right? But Jesus spat. Just remember that, right? Hey, I'm just, maybe not, kids. I don't know. <laughs> it's all about context. <clears throat> having said this, having said that he was the light of the world, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told the blind man, wash in the pool of Siloam. 
This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Two things I want you to consider today to bring glory to God. The first is this, completing the work. Completing the work that God has for you. Well, how did this whole situation come to be? We have another question from the disciples, right? We've been dealing with questions the disciples asked Jesus. Another question prompted Jesus to work. The disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The question reveals a theological uh, position that they held, which Jesus blew out of the water. But it was the question. It was the relationship of Jesus and the disciples which opened the door for Jesus to work in their lives. It's good to have that kind of relationship. That's one of the things that we're trying to stress with small groups and being together, the church, is that we have a place where questions can be asked and developed so that we can continue to think about what we believe in God and His work. Well, Jesus was at work in many ways. One of the things that I love about Jesus in His prayer in John 17, 4, as He's praying to the Heavenly Father, He says, I have brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. I have brought you glory, Father, by doing the work that you created for me to do. As I stood here on Friday, um, I shared with those who are at Joanne's funeral. As I reflected upon her life, Joanne loved people, and many times those that were less fortunate those that were on the fringes, those that couldn't do what she did. She had an eye for them, and she went after them. And she served using her gifts and her capacity. And she did both of those things, pointing people to Jesus. So at the end of our lives, I said, wouldn't it be great if that could be said of us? If, we could be, if it could be said of us that we did those things, we loved people in the manner of Jesus, and we served them for God's glory, wouldn't that be great? Jesus' work, what did Jesus do? Well, ultimately, one of the things that we're trying to do as disciples is just live the way Jesus lived. Jesus modeled the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. Just watch me. He lived. He lived it. But he also taught the disciples. We're trying to teach our children, right? We're trying to complete the work that Jesus has for us by teaching children and youth and men and women what it means to be a disciple, Jesus actually did work where he healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind, literally and spiritually. I believe that that can still happen in the church as well, too. That there can be healings, physical healings. And we pray that there are conversions that still happen in the church, right? right? We still want this to happen. There are still things for us to do as we follow Jesus in this. Ultimately, when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, It is finished. 
It was at that moment when his blood was poured out for our sin and our shame that we can have the hope of eternity that his work was done on our behalf. Jesus completed the work that the Father gave him to do. So as I think about applying this in our lives, a statement that I want you to consider is this. Heavenly Father, I want to do the work that you have prepared for me to do. If we have that attitude and we have that humility to say, I'm laying my priorities down and I want to be most about what you want me to do, I believe he'll lead you into that. Whether you are 15, 18, 36, 45, or 90. Our work's not done until he calls us home, no matter what age. And there are things that we can do. Listen to this verse from Ephesians. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay? There's work for us to do that God knows of. That's why he calls people and moves them. That's why things happen in people's life to ship them and to get to think about what is my priority. Right? Jesus got involved in the blind man's life, and it made a difference. What's the work you want me to do, Jesus? Who are the people that I am to influence for you? Whose eyes should I cover with mud? And another gross habit that we're going to practice. Whose dirty feet that you want me to wash? And speaking of the context of their original question, when they asked who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, they were trying to figure out this blind guy, right? The question that I, that's pretty near to this application is, Jesus, how should I think about this person that's in my life? What should I think about them? Well, if you think about the blind man and the way that Jesus says, neither. He was born this way so that God might display his work in his life. I believe God was working in this man's life for many years, right? He wouldn't be alive if people hadn't cared for him. The text says that he sat and he begged, will you help give me money so that I can eat, right? Blind man had a hard time working, so people stepped in and helped him. It's a little bit like what we're considering with what Rich suggested. How do we help people that can't survive on their own exist? Now, in our culture and state today, I don't think a handout is just the only answer. It's for people that can work, it's providing work for them and, and finding ways for them to work. But sometimes people need that gift of grace to live. God was working in this man's life to bring him to this point. But then God worked in his life in a special way, a supernatural way, gave him uh, a healing touch from Jesus that allowed him to see. And then he worked to allow him to testify about Jesus and then to believe in Jesus as the Son of Man, the Messiah. When Jesus got involved, the work of God in this man's life magnified. So the question for them with this man, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says, neither. But I want to pause right now and just have a reality check. I believe that if a mother's carrying an unborn child and they're addicted to drugs, that will affect the child. I believe that a father's desertion of the family will affect the child. A couple who turns away from God and does not pursue his ways will impact a child. Sometimes the parent's sin will impact a child negatively. And the Bible states that. But sometimes God creates us differently than what we would define as the normal. 
so that the work of God might be displayed in the person's life. So how do we react to this? How should I view this person? As disciples, we should not be too quick to place people into our narrowly defined compartments, right? Hey, either he sinned or his parents sinned. That's why he's blind. Hold on. It may not be so clear cut. People are dynamic and complex, and their lives are not often neatly confined into the parameters that we often generate. But rather ask, Jesus, help me understand this person and what you're doing and want to do in their life. So the first thing that I want you to think about from this text is, how can you bring God glory? Complete the work that he places in front of you. Some of it might be day-to-day. This is a new thing that God wanted me to do today. I'm not asking you to to change jobs. I'm not asking you to to go to a foreign country unless God tells you to do that. But I'm just asking to say, God, what work do you have for me to do today? Maybe it's caring for your parents when, when situations in their lives create that opportunity. Maybe it's teaching your children Modeling for them. Loving your neighbor. Whatever it may be. What's the work that you have for me to do today, God? The second topic, the second point this morning is entitled mud on my face. You see any mud on my face this morning? (laughs) That wasn't planned, but Tracy says, I see a little something that might need to come off. (laughs) Mud on my face. Jesus applied mud to the blind man's eyes and told him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. There's an element of humility in this story that the blind man demonstrates. With mud made from Jesus' spit, he walks through the streets. If he wasn't humble enough in his blind state in society, he says, let me add some mud to my face so that maybe people will actually, will actually stay away from me even more. What is this guy doing? Look at him. He's got mud all over his face, and he's trying to find his way across town to this pool so he can wash. The blind man was taking a risk. He was acting in faith, trusting that obeying the words of this man called Jesus might give him sight. What else did he have to lose? Right? It might make his life better. So I believe we can relate to the disciples, right? We can ask Jesus questions. That's not a foreign territory. We can even relate to saying, I want to follow what Jesus did, right? And doing the work that God calls us to do. But can we relate to the blind man who needed the touch of Jesus in his life? Is there something in your life, a physical, spiritual, or emotional, maybe even a relational truth that we need Jesus to place mud on? And then wash at his command. Yesterday morning, I heard a bit of the message brought to the women's breakfast. It was on being stripped down into a place of humility so that God can work. I don't want to do this disjustice, but I believe I understood it enough that it applies to what was happening in this man's life. Imagine the blind man going to a new level of humility as mud is all over his face, trying to get to the pole of Siloam, a new level of brokenness so that Jesus can work in the situation 
in a way that's far greater than we can ever imagine. Consider Joseph sold into slavery, being led into captivity with ropes on his hands, mud on his face, trusting that God's revelation to him would come true. Would the dreams come true? Would those dreams come true? Surely, I'm in captivity. How can this be true? Mud on my face. Certainly it was as God worked in his life, elevating him to a position where he could be used by God to save his own people. Joseph said at the end to his brothers, what you meant for bad, God meant for good. Job, one of the wealthiest men alive in the area, stripped of his possessions and his family, mud on his face. So that in humility, Job could say, I will now shut my mouth, God, and let you talk. Job received new sight, a keener awareness of the power of God. Jesus placed mud on his own face as he bore the crown of thorns, stripped to nothing as he hung on the cross, bearing the sins of humanity so that we could receive sight. He is our ultimate example. Can we relate to the blind man and say, here I am, place the mud wherever you need to. There's an old hymn that says, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. We can all be like the blind man, limited in our ability to see. And need the touch of the Savior to open our eyes. So the application question for us is, Lord, where am I blind? Where am I blind? And I don't see, I don't act a certain way because I don't see that way. Like the disciples needed their thinking shifted. Maybe we need our theological thoughts that relate to, to, to the world we live in changed because we don't see it correctly. Will you put mud on my face and heal me? So I believe that when we can come to Jesus in humility and find his healing touch, he will reform us. He will reform us. There's an element of faith that I referred to already. The blind man obeyed Jesus. He didn't know Jesus as Messiah and Lord at this point in the story. He just knew that there was some guy named Jesus that put something on his face. He didn't even ask for it. Jesus did did this for you. And uh, he just went. You that hidden faith. I want you to be cautious, though, and to be aware of something in this story. First of all, Jesus' power and our obedience brings powerful results that bring glory to God. Okay? It provides the opportunity for you to say what happened. And when you do, you might come up against some resistance. You notice in this story that there will be people who knew you as you were that just don't believe the reforming work of Jesus. Is this the same man who used to sit and beg? No, this can't be him. He was blind. This man's not blind. That guy I knew was blind. This must be someone else that looks like him. They were resisting the work of Jesus. 
The work of Jesus to heal us from a physical ailment or a spiritual sin will provide the opportunity to speak his name as the causal agent for our healing. It also provides the opportunity to tell the story of how it happened. Do you know every one of you has a story? You have a testimony that could be shared right now about where you're at with God and what he's doing. Every one of us does. Sometimes your testimony is that the struggle is still raging and I'm in it and I need God's help. Your testimony is I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm depending on him to find daily strength to keep going. But some of you can say, Jesus touched me. And oh, the difference it's made in my life. I can share now that I'm not like I once was. I've been reformed. I've been shaped. I've been transformed. Right? Some of you can say that now. Some of you are saying, I'm just discovering who this Jesus is. Isn't your faith stirred when you read this account about this man and how his life was changed like that in that day? Isn't that a powerful story? If you read the rest of the story, you will read that he became bold in his testimony of Jesus. Not yet a believer. He wasn't a believer, and he testified that Jesus was doing the work of God. He says, I was blind, but now I see. But because it happened on the Sabbath, the Pharisees couldn't get over that. They said, this man, referring to Jesus, is not from God. And to the former blind man, they creaked, you were steeped in sin at birth, and you get out of this synagogue, you sinner. Now, for a Jew to be put out of the synagogue meant that he was ostracized by the community. Ooh, he was thrown out of church. Ooh. Let's look at the way this ends. Look at verse 35 of John 9. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. I love this next line. Don't miss it. And when he found him, Isn't that great? When Jesus heard that he was thrown out of church, and when Jesus found him, Jesus went looking for this guy because his work wasn't done. And when he found him, it's an example for us, right? He said to the blind man, do you believe in the Son of Man? Another theological question, right? Do you believe that there's a Messiah? That God's Messiah. Do you believe that he will send him and to come and rescue his people? Do you believe this? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe And he worshiped Jesus. There's a claim for you apologetic people of Jesus' divinity. He received worship. And he didn't stop it. Jesus says, for judgment I have come into this world. So the blind will see and those who will see will become blind. So this man's testimony could be titled, The Day I Received My Sight. Two times. Two times. I'll take two, please. Supersize it. Let's wrap this up. Bringing glory to God. 
Bringing glory to God. Two ways to think about it. Complete the work that God has for you. Not a hidden task, but day-to-day living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And are you willing to let mud be put on your face? Spending time with Jesus. If you spend time with Jesus from time to time, he will place some mud on your face. Or he will ask you. He will ask to wash your feet. Get that? (laughs) Jesus is either going to say, I need to put some mud on your face here so you can wash this and be healed and transformed. Or he's going to say, I'm here to wash your feet. Jesus once told one of his closest followers, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for the chance to look into your word, which has a powerful message for us. A way that we can all be like Jesus and work to bring you glory. Oh Lord, we confess that that's not always our thought when we wake up in the morning. Or as we go through the day. But Lord, on this day, we want to reflect upon that. And we want to come together as one body to say, I want to be a part of a group of people that are working towards this. I want to run the race of life in such a way that when I'm done, that it will be known of me that I worked for God's glory. Not for my name to be raised up, but for your name over and over and over again, Jesus, to be magnified. And then, O oh Lord, on some day when we stand before you, we'll hear you voice the words to us, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, so Lord, give us courage to walk with mud on our faces to the place of healing and transformation. Give us relationships within the church, Lord, where we can ask questions of each other and to our teachers and leaders and say, what does this mean? And Lord, we thank you above all these other things, Jesus, that you have washed us. And that we can be clean through your work today. Thank you, Jesus. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. We trust in you. We want to follow you. And we want to bring Father, Son, and Spirit glory by letting you work in our lives. Continue to work in this worship time, Lord, as we move through the different stages. Continue to lead us. Continue to have your spirit draw us close to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen. Amen.